I'm Franz. I'm AJ. And this is In the Weeds, a podcast about the food and beverage industry, past, present, and future. You think your job's hard? Try building a wine region. This week on In the Weeds, we sit down with Callie Philp of Avril Creek Vineyards. We discuss the natural wine movement, what makes Vancouver Island such a special place for viticulture, and much, much more. As always, we have a great time chatting with one of our industry friends, with a few surprises along the way. Cheers! to go i believe yeah cool perfect now all i have to do is remember not to click my pen yeah a thousand times nervously and and, uh we should be just fine that's kind of my move (laughs) we've been uh we've been having fun with this but neither one of us knows anything about audio so it's just been like we're figuring it as we go so like if you listen to the first couple episodes there's like click 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 Click, click, yeah, click. Yeah, until Franz is like, click, click. you need to, you need yeah. to find a quieter <laughs> yeah. fidgeting yeah. device. <laughs> you need a stress ball. Stress ball. Yeah. That's hilarious. So I, the metronome yeah. of your... Yeah. <laughs> so I, I adopted a cat. <laughs> we had uh, we had Garrett from um, uh, Veneto. Veneto? Veneto? How do you... I, yeah. I, 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 um, and his little thing is he had a wine crank in his hand. So for the entire episode, and I didn't... I didn't have the courage because I noticed it after a certain point to just tell him to stop. I was just like, ah, it'll be fine. And then when I replayed it over again, it was fully like clicking, 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 clicking. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was, good. It was <laughs> good. I'm sure Anyways. I'll have a quirk of some sort. I think maybe I'll snort when I laugh or something. So you'll have fun with that. <laughs> well, 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 we'll do our best not to say anything funny and just avoid laughter altogether. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah, serious. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll edit it out mercilessly. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds perfect. <laughs> well, thanks so much for taking time and speaking with us. Oh, gosh, uh, yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, no problem. We were, um, there was somebody on uh, one of our, like, six Instagram fans was like, hey, what about a girl? And <laughs> I was like, Whoa, yeah, what about a girl? And, yeah, she suggested you. And I'm like, well, that's a no-brainer because... Yeah. Because, you know, there's, there's obviously lots to talk about and we have yeah. some similar interests. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so, I, you know, I can't take any credit for uh, reaching out, but, you know. Get on, you guys. We're, we're so progressive. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, if anything, that's we're, definitely we're what we're known for. Woke. <laughs> I'm glad we're going to be addressing some of these topic, guys, yeah, topics. Yeah, exactly. oh, absolutely. Of course. Yeah, yeah. let's, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, hold, no holds bar. <laughs> Uh, um, so from my side of things, because uh, Andrew has a much deeper knowledge of wine, uh, I'm going to be the simpleton uh, and ask a bunch of silly questions and ask you about the generalized job that you do and like Vancouver Island wine and all that kind of cool. stuff. So you're going to have to bear with some of my uh, my dumb, dumb questions. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's some people who might be interested in them. So No, I lo- um, yeah, I love it. Bring it on. Uh, First of all, I wanted to ask you, uh, what makes Vancouver Island so special for wine these days? I mean, I mean these days because it, it didn't it didn't get the respect that it does until fairly recently, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's definitely a, a reason for that. But um, it's, it is a really special place. Um, I know we can all kind of like just sense it in general, but... Um, it's um, now coming to light what a special region it is for winemaking as well, um, and for for viticulture pri- primarily. Really, um, we just have this really like a sweet spot of a climate here. Um, and when I say that, I mean 
we have um, we naturally um, gather hallmarks of um, really sophisticated high quality wine and I mean that in um, a global context not just you know good for Canada like we have um, the region has all the hallmarks to be a really world-class producing region and um, the reason for that specifically is that we um, we achieve um, what's called um, in sort of nerdy terms, phenolic ripeness, um, which is... That's not nerdy at all, don't worry. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Go on>. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is like synonymous with like flavor ripeness and tannic ripeness, um, ultimately. And um, we, we do that, but we also retain acidity um, in, our, in our fruit. Um, and those are really the, you know, flavor, tannin, acidity are the key components um, in producing um, balanced wines um, and in the right hands, complex wines. Um, and now I think what we're really seeing as well is a, a sense of terroir and a sense of place in the wines, um, um, which is really what you're looking for when you're when you're looking for um, um, a world class quality wine. So how do you how do you measure ripeness in a grape? Yeah. When it, when it's when it's time, like how do you know when it's time to time yeah. to do it? Time to pull the trigger. Well, we we do pick on um, where I work at Avril Creek. We pick on phenolic ripeness, um, which doesn't have any sort of gauge. Um, it's simply uh, by by feel in the mouth. Um, okay. So um, gotcha. You essentially, um, and I'm not equ equipped to do this yet. I I hope to be, but um, you are actually put grapes in your mouth on a regular basis Gross. and you feel the, yeah, <laughs> um, you feel the, um, you kind of feel the, the uh, texture of the seeds, the seeds, if they're um, uh, quite firm, then they're not quite there. Um, if they actually have some give to them and they're disintegrating a bit, then the tannins oh, are right. Cool. And it's also just um, sort of a, a feel of the tannin in general and how, what the drying effect is in the mouth. So, um, we we don't need to pick on acidity or on sugar. Uh, we know the acidity is there, and that's what's so beautiful yeah. about our region. Um, it's you know it's you can't you can't well you can fake acidity, but it's really obvious when you're faking acidity. Um, and so for what us, what do you mean? Yeah, I was going to um, say, what do you mean by faking? And we acidity? we got to we got to back <laughs> yeah. up. You'll have to forgive my uh, you'll have to forgive my partner. He jumped. <laughs> he jumped right to to the middle. Can you tell well, us? I had, a, no, I had some lead-ins. No, I, 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 I got excited too. <laughs> I got excited too. But can you can you just give us like a little back jacket, Cole's notes about who you are, introduce yourself. Oh, yeah. So um, I'm very much still learning about the island as well, which is what makes this so great for me. But um, I um, was born and raised on the island. Um, and um, if you're asking sort of what got me into, into wine... Um, I was around food and wine culture pretty young. My um, extended family um, and my grandparents own a little resort um, and restaurant up in Cannell River called the Dolphins Resort. Um, oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so they have, they have a great food program. Um, I think they're actually reopening the restaurant today, which is good. Um, oh, but, right on. Um, Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So just... <clears throat> dishwashing, serving, busing, all that kind of fun stuff, but just kind of seeing people dining and enjoying food and wine and starting to yeah. taste like yeah, that's finer, incredible. finer dining and tasting wine, um, sometimes underage, but whatever. Um, and um, <laughs> getting, just being comfortable with that. And 
Um, I'm, I moved to Victoria to pursue um, a business degree because um, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and um, I also had a kind of a mutual friend that um, owned a little VQA shop downtown Victoria, um, which is no longer with us. But that was where I got a sense of fact that wine is more than just a beverage and you know there's history and geography attached to it and, and all those wonderful right. things um and um meanwhile i was going to school and decided to specialize in accounting <laughs> um quickly realized that wasn't fulfilling for me um <laughs> right. and still love a good spreadsheet though i love a good spreadsheet oh, I, but yeah um i um ended up going back to work in hospitality after university just because it's what i was comfortable with um and Wine was always calling my name and in, as a more of a hobby. Um, and then I moved my way more into the liquor industry um, in, in Victoria and worked for a cidery. Um, and then later went on to work um, overseas in the UK um, and worked for a distillery there, but then finally had my first opportunity at a wine position, um, which is something I've been hoping for for a long time. Had done some WSET training in the meantime just to try and give myself a bit of an advantage and um, yeah. understand the whys behind um, my interest. And, um, but yeah, we're in the UK, that's where it really all came together for me um, because it's one of the most sophisticated wine markets in the world. Um, mm. and well, we have a lot. I mean, we have, we have the British to thank for the global wine market. Exactly. Kind of in general with their, their you know, we have them to thank for some other not so nice stuff too with globalization <laughs> but you know with with making sure that we have you know all the flavors of the world to taste it's uh yeah totally. i could imagine that culture there is is pretty pretty it's mature very advanced and mature and so that yeah. kind of brought me up to speed um but i i was just i was blown away by what you could what you, the caliber of wines that were available in general and what you could afford what you could drink um yeah it was pretty amazing and I was um, working with my own portfolio of about 700 wines um, and wow. selling those to restaurants, um, but also was that portfolio was through a retailer, so I was learning about retail as well, which is really fascinating. So, um, yeah, um, it gave me a definitely a greater appreciation for the global wine market and and what producers are doing. Um, how many yeah. restaurants do you figure that you were working with at the time? Um, I had about um, 90 clients. Um, wow. and, okay. and were you in London or you said the UK? But No, <laughs> I was in Scotland, actually. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So um, a slightly different like take. It was uh, sort of um, Edinburgh, area, Edinburgh area. So Edinburgh a lot of Aria? English. <laughs> Edinburgh. Um, my partner's Scottish, so he would... He would just scold me right now. Oh, he's Scottish and a fly fisherman. Yes. Uh, what's his name again? <laughs> um, his he, name is, is he busy? It's Chris. <laughs> just kidding. Do you have some basic beer you could trade? Then maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just brought in a couple of skids of Old Milwaukee. Yeah, it's perfect. Oh, perfect. On, on sale, so yeah. Yeah. all we can help most. Molson Ice, it's perfect. <laughs> He's not here and he can't defend himself, but. <laughs> oh, that's okay. How, um, uh, how long were you in Scotland? Like, how long did, uh, did that go on for? Two years, yeah. It's yeah. just pretty much a, the length of a visa. Um, yeah. And it's definitely our second home. But, um, yeah, it was, it was very cha- it was a challenging role when you 
are selling wine in restaurants. In the UK, it's a little bit different from here. Um, you actually generally control, or don't control, you, you, um, you win the whole list, and you work with the restaurant on their full list. Oh, interesting. Um, huh. So, so that you would, you would be really selling yourself and your portfolio, and then you would get full control over what... Wow. Yeah, That's crazy. You, you work with them on the full list and it's really about the performance of the whole list and um and the balance of the whole list. Um hmm. and you know, it's just it's so different. Wine trade there is so different. There are so many agents with hundreds of wines in their portfolios. It's easy to do that. So it makes economic sense a lot of the time for restaurants to work with one um yeah. one agent. Um and you if you really want, well, you can get like your client true. most anything that they want. Yeah. So Hmm. Um, yeah. Is there, um, at the risk of generalizing, uh, was there ever, you know, did you find there to be a challenge of selling fine wine to Scottish people, which may or may not have a global reputation for being <laughs> uh, re- resistant to parting with their hard-earned money? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you, you might find yourself biting your tongue a little bit there, Andrew. There's two <laughs> sides. There are, there the are that, that just, Oh, me? Never. Yeah, yeah. That Never. does exist in some parts, but there's actually yeah. like a very, also a big English, English presence in Scotland, right. particularly right. on yeah. the, on the, um, on the east side. Okay. The west side is a little more, um, working class. Um, and, and definitely that was a challenge in that area. Right. Okay. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of my clients were, you know, those picturesque castles that you see in the Highlands, um, where they have, you know, um, you know, you have like maybe twenty-five different Bordeaux on the list, like at least. Wow. So it's. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's there's a, a huge range there. Um, so that might might be an antiquated stereotype then it it exists but it depends on where you're talking about and and yeah i mean they i would still say scottish people even in the um you know my close friends who are grown up some of my close friends that have grown up there are are still they have a lot more knowledge than the average consumer here Mm -hmm. yeah just because of the english influence there too right exposed to so much more and yeah yeah Yeah. um and it's also i mean there's also a generational change happening here as well where the consumer is looking for more um more history um more information and they want a little bit more sense of place again on um on what they're drinking and the same is happening there too fantastic mm-hmm. and then you know fast forward a couple of years you're back mm-hmm. on vancouver island where are you now yeah so now i'm at avro creek uh vineyard so we're a 30 acre estate producer just north of duncan um, we're just on the side of Mount Prevost, um, so it's sort of as you're sitting up on the winery, look, um, you face south towards Duncan. Um, it's, it's really a beautiful, beautiful view. site. Yeah, yeah it is. Very I, uh, mm-hmm. Whenever clients come into the store, and I talk to them about Island Wine, we end up talking about, you know, Alderley, and I say like, you know, you know, Duncan used to be called Alderley, and I. I make the joke that whoever whoever hired the marketing firm to change the name from Alderley to Duncan <laughs> deserves to get <laughs> just you know. What set happened fire there? To. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what yeah. happened exactly? There? What went uh, wrong? No, yeah. I, I yeah. grew up in in the Duncan and Couchin area, and okay. I, I I honestly have no idea. What a what a terrible downgrade of a name. You would you would you, you would think so? Yeah. Yeah. You anyway. Think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Duncan's so hip now, though. <laughs> oh, it's, it's very oh, it, hip. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it wasn't very. It wasn't about the quality of there. the place. It was more about the 
Yeah. You know, what went wrong with the, with the name? Right. Yeah. 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 Maybe you could run for mayor there and rename well, it. Mayor of Duncan. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Mayor of whatever yeah, you, you like to, to dabble in, in, in a little bit of politics. I a little do bit. like to speak. You do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do like to speak, yes. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> okay, and how long have you been at Avro Creek for? Um, so now I'm uh, about a year and a half or so. And okay. um, essentially what I do there is a little bit of everything. Um, some sales stuff. So I work with most of our <laughs> clients on the island, uh, but I also work with um, some of our, um, as we're hoping to be international clients, um, and some of our agent, you know, I help support our agents in on the mainland and in Alberta. Um, and I am also the marketing manager, so I handle all the social media um, and any sort of marketing stuff we do, and then some yeah. production and operations management as well. So ensuring wow. that we're you're like... You're a busy person. Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say your plate is full. Yeah, but I'm here, so you're welcome. Yes, <laughs> no, I'm very <laughs> so honored. I know very honored. You're very, no. you're a high-value target. <laughs> so how does, how does, how do you, what's your strategy for getting your wine on an international platform? Um, honestly, I think um, so far we've really leveraged Brent, our winemaker's connections. Um, he's worked all over, all over the world um, and has sold some of his wines that he's produced for other um, more established producers um, to agents. Um, we, I definitely have now contacts in the UK, but it's the most challenging market to get your wines into, uh, mm -hmm. just, just solely for price competitive reasons. But one day right. we'll work on it. So uh, right now we're working on getting them um, into the east coast of the U.S. I recall back in the day uh, in my conversations with Andy that uh, Wendy would do a lot of foreign trips over to the Asian markets. Yeah. So, But you're saying that now the focus is on east coast U.S. Yeah, that's kind of what's come about from our, from our um, connection so far. But it's also, you know, we are still very um, specific in who we look to work with. Okay. Um, previously we had maybe a little bit more of, um, a, um, I don't want to say like a more of a machine gun, machine gun approach, okay. but we, we really had to, right? Like we were so new and no one knew anything about the region. So, you know, we kind of had to ask people to please try us and please give us, right. you know, and we needed to, all the opportunity we could get to give context. But now, um, you know, not only of the caliber of the wines improved, but we're also, um, um, we're also, you know, the wines, you know, speak for themselves. They have a bit more reputation. So we, we want to be selective and, and make sure that people are, that are representing us are telling our story accurately. And, um, so yeah, China and the Asia, uh, Asian market used to be, um, I mean, it still is, can be a place to sell a volume of wines, but it's almost like there's no transparency around it. You just kind of send the wines and then it's like, there they go. Into a vacuum and yeah. wait, wait for a check in the mail. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> and I don't speak Chinese, so maybe that's part of it too. Like I, I, I can't, I can, I, I can see know. that being a barrier. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to like, okay, like what's, what's forest floor in Cantonese? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so if, um, I'm, I'm assuming that the, there are some like-minded Island wineries, Maybe not all of you are on the same page, but I imagine that there's a, a coalition of the youthful groups of mm -hmm. the or the youthful wineries. I'm thinking, the you know, gen. yourself and Brent are fairly 
youthful. You're at the helm. You know, you've got uh, you've got Mike Rathchen. You've got uh, you've got the other Mike up at Emmendare. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the new owners of of Alderley. So, are are you uh, are you? I mean, I'm sure there's others too. I, I imagine I'm leaving somebody out. Uh, shame on me. Is is there is there a united front, or is everyone kind of doing their own thing and then mm-hmm. reporting back their findings, or how is that? How is that working? Yeah, a, a bit of both. Um, I think we are definitely more collaborative than maybe um, we once were. But if if you think about <laughs> kind of the culture of starting in a region as well, and how it's kind of like, well, no, I can make better wine. I can make better wine, but at chest beating, and it's it's during the learning phase. You know, you you really have to, you know, people really have to fight for recognition. Um, now, definitely, there are um, it's part of the exciting part about the island is there is a new generation of people entering um, the industry um, with um, different experience um, that they can apply to um, that they can that, that they can apply. And I think um, we also realize by you know working in other regions that a collaborative relationships are what make a region successful. Um, right. and, and, you know, certainly some of us will collaborate more than others because our proposals align a little bit more, um, and that's natural. You know, the, the mics and us, um, the, our winemakers share very similar philosophies, so we are gonna, you're going to see us together more. Um, yeah. um, that said, you know, we also, um, you know, behind the scenes are definitely working a lot with the likes of Blue Grouse and Emmendare on, um, on um, you know, on um, things like the vent side of things and, and just kind of talking to each other about what our proposals are because we're a similar size of business. So mm-hmm. um, we all have very friendly relationships. Um, and yeah, it's a goal of mine definitely to keep that going. <laughs> I think that's actually kind of exciting. The last few people we've been talking to, that seems to be a fairly common thread in different facets of food and beverage. Like the people, at least, that we've been talking to have been focused very much on dispelling the old ideals of keeping yours as yours and trying to collaborate more and trying to get along with people. And I, I, yeah, we mm-hmm. keep hearing that. It's kind of cool, actually. At the risk yeah. of sound, I mean, at the risk of painting you know, people with an unfair brush, it kind of sounds like the old white guys are kind of stepping out of the way and, and that generation of people being like, this is mine and don't look behind my curtain and my secrets are mine and, you know, your yeah. success guarding your secrets takes, of the takes away and, from yeah, my yeah. success. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it just makes so much more sense having a collaborative approach, especially when you're trying to attract, I mean, prior to this year's fuckery, um, like when you're trying to attract guests and, and consumers and tourists yeah, to gotta your, work together. Your, your greater region, yeah. it makes so much more sense to have a collaborative approach. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, the wine in particular, and I, and I think, you know, food is a similar, all aspects of food are a similar realm. We're, we're doing this because we love it, because we're passionate. Like, mm, we're not right. because we're trying to make wine. <laughs> let's, let's be honest, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it, it only feels right to me to, to kind of share that excitement with other people. Um, Amazing. That's, that's so fantastic. I, speaking that's of wonderful. excitement, I've been I've done a very good job of not breaking into this wine. I'm, I'm <laughs> impressed. I'm uh, impressed. This is you. the longest you've gone so, without opening a bottle of wine in front yeah. of you. <laughs> uh, so I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping you can you can talk about this wine a little bit because it is such a beautiful label. 
I yeah, must it tell really you. Is. Uh, oh, seriously. Good. So That's it's gorgeous. the the Avril Creek Pet Nat, Petillon Naturel. Uh, yeah, or for goodness sake, what's nat- naturel? What's a pet nat? Yeah, I think I think we need a little explanation on that, please. Yeah. Can you tell us what <laughs> a pet nat I've is? Because I've heard in my new role, I have heard pet nat more times than I have heard. I've heard it more times in the last three months than I've heard it in my entire life. And I I need a little bit of information, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for like, sure. Likewise. So um, what's what's kind of unique about our pet nat, before I get to why it is a pet nat, um, it's a blend of Pinot Meunier, uh, Chardonnay, and also Pinot Noir. Um, and this is all estate grown. And we actually had one, Thank you. Uh, one um, block... Um, on site that was where the vines are a little bit younger. They're in second and third year production. Um, so we sort of isolated the yield from that. And we only produced about 170 bottles of this wine. So Exciting. So this is mm-hmm. not only a beautiful label, not only a compelling looking wine, it's also quite special. Exactly. Um, Lucky me. Mm, wonderful. And so there's nothing Smells added to really this wine. Yeah. Tell me about the aromatics, <laughs> friends. Tell me. <laughs> I was just going to say, no, wow, don't put me on the spot on. That. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm one of those awful people that I, I, can, I can pick out what I pick out, but when somebody, I'm very suggestible. So and if anybody says, like, oh, do you see, like, I, like, I smell some, I smell the yeast quite fairly strongly, but I also smell, like, grapefruit and a little bit of crackers. I mean, I, that's the thing is I, I'm suggestive. As soon as you tell me what to <laughs> smell, I'm going to be like, that's it. That's, that's what it is for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's got a pretty, the, the autolytics are pretty pronounced. Mm-hmm. It's kind of peachy. It's kind of, yeah, like you said, grapefruity a little mm-hmm. bit, a little, mm-hmm. little like citrus zest. Yeah, exciting. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Cheers. Yeah. Chin, chin, motherfucker. Chin, <laughs> chin, motherfucker. So I do want to point out as well mm, cool. um, that. It's delicious, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's good. Awesome. Yeah. This That's is Brent's lovely. first time making pet nat as well. So that's pretty, pretty awesome. You know, it's not exactly the easiest thing to produce. Um, that's very good. Yeah. I, I, what, the, I mean, pet nat yeah. is a very darling term. So I want to know about what is pet nat. Yes. It has an adorable name, um, but it seems to be very trendy. And oh, yes. kind of describe mm-hmm. how that... You know, how is this different than Charm de Lille? How is this, mm. you know, why is it cloudy? Um, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Go Sorry. from there. Yeah. So what I, this, that's what I wanted. My point was basically that like Pet Nat, you know, it's not meant to be a precious wine. Like it's, this is, this is meant to be sort of a, an approachable everyday drinking wine. Um, and so Pet Nat essentially is um, when fermentation continues within the bottle um so you and the co2 that is trapped and is is dissolving as that with a cap on is actually resulting in uh, a little bit of carbonation as a result of that he's left over like a little bit of residual sugar in the fermentation Mm -hmm. um, and then he caps it um and then the fermentation continues as it goes on in the okay. bottle yeah Got it. yeah it feels like there's like just a little bit of perceivable sweetness in there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. that that makes sense but it's 
It's really yummy. It's very delicious. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But it's kind of cloudy. Yeah, there was, was a bunch of gunk at the bottom yeah. of the bottle. So what's that all about? Yeah. Yeah, so there's just been no um, filtration done whatsoever on this. Um, and so mm-hmm. what's the purpose with that? I'm sure, again, I, now I cut you off. You're yeah. probably going to say that too, but. Yeah, um, it's, it's particularly important in our climate, um, in, in island climate, um, that we are really working with whatever techniques we can to enhance texture. Um, we're not like a fruit forward producing region. Um, we are produced more elegant styles with a lot of acidity. So we need to enhance what we do best within that, in, within the wine. And for us, that is textures of acidity. So by not filtering, um, you, you, you actually have some, um, a little bit of, you know, whether it's perceivable, but with the eye or not, you have some sediment in there that is creating added texture to the wine. Um, and so in this case, that's where you're getting a lot more layers of texture um, within the wine. Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is this a natural wine? Um, is, it, is it natty? Yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, uh, we could probably get into a big discussion about what is oh, natural. Oh, I, ex- I expect to because I, I need to talk about that too because yeah. oh. I, uh, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I fall into the category of dad wine and dad beer. <laughs> So yeah. natural wine for me is a challenging. Okay, so what's what's dad wine? I can understand what a dad beer yeah, is. Yeah, like dad beer, like IPA, pale ale, like yeah, yeah. So, but dad wine is you know wine that tastes really good, <laughs> and oh. is you know <laughs> is right. like full bodied and it yeah it's it like it delivers and you don't I don't know it's it's more of a it's maybe there's a little bit more there's less nuance there's less. Uh, it's not as complex. It's just like no. A it good can be time. complex. There's less. There's less things to appreciate. It's less Picasso and more Norman Rockwell. Gotcha. That's okay. actually a pretty good analogy. That is that, that is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this this is a natural wine. Um, there's nothing added. There's nothing taken away from this wine. Um, yeah, I think I. This has been kind of the debate over the last year, especially with Avril Creek's transition to having more of a low, low intervention approach. You know, what is natural? Is this natural? Um, and, and I always kind of come back to the same question, what, back to that person, which is why do we need to define what a natural wine is? Um, okay. Low, you know, a lower intervention approach um, is is essentially um, producing wines that are more true to the site um, because we're, we're manipulating it less. Um, so um, by doing less, we're essentially helping um, eschew a segue from the vineyard to the glass. Um, so, um, yeah, um, for me, there's all, there's like a, a big scale um, of, you know, what is more natural, what is less natural. Um, I think ultimately it's not what it, is it natural, but why natural? Um, and it's because it produces more pure wine. Does that, okay. does that make sense? Is that too esoteric? No, I mean, my... my Have you heard of natural wine before? Um, I, I believe I've heard you discuss it before, but mm. my simplistic point of view then is like, is that mean that there's unnatural wine? Like, what is like this? Yeah, um... Definitely, <laughs> definitely <laughs> is. Um, I think there's just, it, you can't really classify wine as natural and non-natural. There definitely is a sliding scale, but um, on 
a side that is way less natural, there is, you know, acid being added. So we talked about faking acid. It's basically just tartaric acid being thrown into the mix. Um, gotcha. Uh, okay. There's, um, uh, you know, the addition of sugar or chapitalization to enhance the body or the sweetness or alcohol. Um, there's all kinds of th things that can be done to manipulate. And the more, the more you manipulate, um, you know, the, I guess I would say the less natural the product it is. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't say that by saying, and I'm not saying that they are inferior products. Um, you know, it, just like any other commodity you have, um, there's, there's a reason for these kind of products to exist. You know, there's a market for these kind of products, right? There's a right. context for them. But for those who are um, looking for something that's a like looking to try wine that's being true to the place, um, then it's, it's good to understand these things so you can ask the right questions. Gotcha. Um, so uh, probably another simpleton question, but um, for the average person, can you explain why uh, local wine, something that you can get within like a 50 kilometer radius is more expensive than something you can get from halfway around the world? Like if I'm if I'm looking at the beautiful products that are coming out of the couch and valley, I can appreciate the care and the quality of that product. But why can why is something that's so close to home um, still so expensive compared to what we can import? Yeah, um, yeah. So I I mean Andrew, you can probably speak to this as well. But I would say there's not a huge gap between island wine and and some imports that are not too mass-produced, would you say? Like, it's not yeah. a huge gap. I don't know. I mean, I think for my customers, you know, you can go a long way in Spain and Chile and Argentina under mm -hmm. 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. For some, kind of an everyday... Regions, for sure. Yeah. Like an everyday drinking wine. You know, Southern Italy has some really good values. Mm -hmm. uh, Southern France as well. So yeah. I think Vancouver Island starts, you know you're pretty much starting at 20 and you're topping out, you know, at $45 because we don't have the heat units. Um, it's also, it becomes a bit of a challenge for the consumer to see the value perhaps. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I think that, that might be the question as well. There's no, it's not like there's right or wrong, but mm -hmm. I mean, if I think there's an associated value of spending more money, you're getting a more robust, like yeah. mouth filling, powerful mm -hmm. wine, right? There Again, is, I, and I mean, that might yeah, be an think, immature perspective, a, but I think it's there. And it, I think it's, it's most yeah. definitely there, yeah. um, and it's something very specific to our region, to or where we live. We're we neighbor the Okanagan and Napa, so and they they you know we import um, or we bring a ton of wine in from those regions, and that's you know what generations have been drinking the most of like um is these big plush reds and the idea that opulence and large wines equal quality so it is also it's partly a matter of um of um educating um and i think also the availability of wines um from some regions that produce wines that have a bit more um structure acidic structure to them um we don't have nearly as much um, as many options here, um, value options here, as in right. some other markets in the world. Right. Um, but to get back to your um, kind of 
initial question, Franz. I think um, some of the regions that you're just pointing out, Andrew, are regions that just they produ have they produce insane volumes of wine. Um, they have the economics to do that, um, and they also have cheaper labor. Labor is a huge input into wine, um, and so often from um, you know, the wealthier countries, the, the price of production is just that much higher. Um, one of our highest costs, if I, I would have to look at it, but I think our highest cost is, is vineyard labor at the winery. We have, um, you know, a crew of about five people out in the farm working full time all year round. Yeah. Um, we, we choose to take that on because it's important to us to control our farming and to produce our own fruit. Um, and so that is, that incurs a cost. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Mm -hmm. Is that typical, or is it typical that you have kind of an input, an influx of of harvest people, and then you have people that kind of work the vineyard year round? But you have you have kind of like the the important. I mean, everything everybody's important. I get that. But you have the the core people, and then you're like, okay, it's harvest time. Yes, let's do it. But what you're saying is is you have a, a slightly larger group of people full-time year-round. Yeah. That, am I understanding that right? Yeah, and it works out to about full-time work all year-round. You know, it, farming is quite cyclical, so you have, like, a big bout of pruning where you're working. They're working maybe, if they want, seven days a week. <laughs> um, and they're working long days. Um, and then you have maybe a little bit of time kind of um, post-harvest where you know, everyone's just taking a break, but we do have a small crew all year round uh, tending to the farm because we're, we have 30 acres of planted vines. Um, and we also then have usually up to about 20 people join us for harvest time for a few weeks uh, to pick. Right. Okay. I was just um, about to ask about that. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, um, it's a big thing, and we also do everything by hand. You know, we're not machine harvesting. Uh, Interesting. Is, is anybody on the island doing anything with machines? Mm, I don't know. That's a Is good it question. Is it also small that it's not really? Yeah, I think most people are doing handwork. Um, I don't. I don't know if we have the scale at any of the farms right. to do that, but I'd be curious so, to hear. So going back to something you mentioned at the very beginning of of our conversation, as you said, you know, you and Brent and the experts go through and and you're you're tasting for phenolic ripeness. How do you? How do you? How do you? You know, indicate to the everyday person. So I'm assuming these people that are coming in are, are seasonal workers, they're harvesters, they aren't, they aren't necessarily phenolic specialists. <laughs> so how do you, do you spray paint them? Do you tie ribbons around the, each grape? Like, how do, how do I know which, which grape to pick? Oh, okay. Well, it's more of the matter of, like, um, yeah, I mean, we have, a, we have a vineyard manager. His name is John, um, who really oversees the team and offers direction. And he's... Um, join <laughs> Sorry, his... I had this vision of John on a, <laughs> on a Segway with a loudspeaker. <laughs> like, you know, picker 41, yeah. put that grape down. <laughs> probably it not what it is. Of, it's uh, that I kind of went on to think, because he's, um, he's basically also is in a rock band <laughs> called, nice. a shout out to Double Fuzz, his band. Double Fuzz. Double Fuzz. Um, awesome. I, I shout out to Double Fuzz. I see him up there with his guitar, like singing at them anyway um <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah i picture uh, now this a guy with a like on top of a giant speaker in the middle of your vineyard <laughs> yeah. just, like what's <laughs> that what's that movie uh fury road 
Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, <laughs> a, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't even put a fast in. <laughs> <That's reality. laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Good one. Okay. Yeah. okay. Sorry. So <laughs> he's basically offering direction. He's the liaison between Brent. Brent and him really are the ones that are working together to make those kind of decisions and then to pass on that knowledge to the vineyard crew. Um, but it's it's not, um, you know, once it's like, okay, yeah, we've this block is, is where we want ripeness-wise for the wine we have in mind for it, then it's go, we're picking this block. And then it's brought back to the sorting table. And again, uh, there's direction from both Brent and John on, on what sort of caliber of fruit they're looking for at that point. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, actually, Actually, yeah. sorry, go ahead. before it leaves my squirrel brain, you mentioned something that I thought was pretty important earlier. Um, you mentioned educating people, because I can imagine that of just like every other beverage or food or thing, whatever, whatever thing that people put in their faces, they have a, a, probably something that, that they identify with and something that they've been having forever. So if you're a... Uh, Chardonnay person, you're always going to be a Chardonnay person. If you uh, only drink wines from California, how do you, what's your plan to educate people mm -hmm. about not only your wine, but like this new generation of wine producers? Yeah, it's, it's pretty, um, it's pretty fascinating because we do have, we do experience that on a daily basis at the winery and in the tasting room. Um, we could imagine. And, it is sometimes feels like a bit of an uphill battle, but um, I think, you know, all, what we do is we present the why is behind the style of the wine. Um, you know, we're, we try and explain, you know, mm. we're, we're a cool climate. This is what happens in a cool climate. Um, you know, we don't have as much heat, so, you know, we're not generating as much sugar, but we're having this acid and just explaining the why's behind it um, as best as we can. Um, and also just producing, I think, wines that are, are balanced um, as well and have the potential to please anyone who's really has their um, um, interest peaked in towards wine. And the reality is, though, like, you can't educate everybody and there's still going to be people who don't get it and they do, honestly, they don't really want to get it. So, you know, that's probably adios. A good, a good you know, that, that's <laughs> um, a good no, way I, of, I can of totally at it as well, too. We can't, we, we had this machine gun approach before and right. we produced some styles of wine that weren't true to the, you know, even true to the site or the fruit, you know, trying to make big, bold wines when that's not what we do, you know, that's not what we do best. So why are we, you know, trying to compete with these other regions that specialize in this? Um, and so, yeah, um, I think it's going to be like a long journey, but like that's, I'm up for that's like what I see as my like role within Avro Creek, but also just as a, you know, a, um, I guess a voice within Island Wine is just like getting out there and telling as many people as we can our story and, and why the wines are the way they are. Okay. Um, Imagine this scenario. Uh, you are, you know, I've got a, a, this sounds so violent. I've got a, got a gun <laughs> to your head. Okay. And I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm crazy, crazy. What, international region would you associate Vancouver Island most closely with? Hmm. I'm crazy. I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> I know you probably don't want to do that, but you know, what would no, you No, that's okay. Um, I have, I just, I yeah. just pulled the thinger that makes it real. 
on the gun. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, whatever that's called. <laughs> I, okay, I'm going to say Austria. Um, Austria. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there are any regions that are... Blau Frankish? Is that Austria? Yes. Mm-mm. Yes. You got her. Nailed it. High five. I don't yeah, think nice. that there are any real like regions that have everything going on that we have going on and have our similar terroir. And that's, right. again, what makes it so cool. Yeah, that's um, kind of unique and awesome. Yeah. But um, in when I was in the UK, Austria was really, um, you know, in the UK, they're quite into their like refreshing tart wines. So it would be easier right. going over there. But um, Austria was really one of those up and coming regions that, um, you know, they had, I don't know if you've heard about like kind of the, I think it was in the late 80s, they accidentally poisoned and killed a bunch of people with their wines. Didn't they put something at like antifreeze? Yeah, antifreeze. I saw that Simpsons. You know what? I've actually even heard of this, but I don't remember the details. I just remember (laughs) antifreeze. Yeah. That's that's literally... Like brutal, and it completely demolished their industry and um, their their export industry. And so they kind of had this revitalization in in the 2000s. And so they're, you know, youthful in some ways. Um, and they're hmm. re-educating, and they're 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 super hip and cool now. Like they're, oh, and yeah. their wines are we just have, we have amazing. several Austrian yeah? wines in the store. Yeah, oh, send them, send them, yeah. <laughs> please. I, I will. I don't I don't know what that means. <laughs> send send them, ship them. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Okay, cool. I mean, I know you don't want to necess- you don't want to compare. It, it's no. ridiculous comparing your your region to some other place, but just for yeah, I mean, we right. have to. Mm-hmm. In order to, in order for us in North America to educate ourselves and to become better wine consumers, we have to have international anchors. Yeah, you know there we has do. to be international context. So even though it, 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 it probably isn't something you'd like to mm-hmm. do, I think it's important for the consumer. Yeah, it is, and I, I do pull. I think I think of each wine we have, and I often pull references for from different places. And Italy is another one because they always have acidity in their wines, and I and yeah. I often use Italy as an example of acidity in wines being like what makes them so terrific with food and there are a lot of people in canada who have had experiences in italy where it's like being like a bit of a um you know it's been a bit of like uh eye-opening moment so that one is that's definitely a good region i wouldn't compare wines to italian wines across the board but they have of course well i mean you can't compare it to italian wine they have like seven countries jammed into their, <laughs> yeah. you know, longitude. <laughs> but they Terribly do have unfair. structure that's like structure to them. Um, yeah. And New Zealand is another one as well. You know, they have a little bit of a cooler climate example of Pinot Noir. Um, and um, they also have very acidic wines in general or acid, uh, acid board wines um, and refreshing wines. So that's another one that I know the c- customers here can really relate to. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, and sometimes also um, organ, um, just kind of explaining that, you know, we, we do have a, actually more terroir similarity with organ, which is cool. So you can get a, some similar flavor profiles, uh, but you just have to imagine it as being, ours being a little bit more of an elegant version of that, a little maybe more lighter in style. Okay. So, yeah. I hear frequently that people say that Vancouver Island is... Uh, well suited for sparkling wine. Oh yes. Yes. So have you mm-hmm. have you uh, enjoyed the wines from Infinity in North Saanich? I haven't, and I feel bad saying that because I've seen them around not very often. But um, yeah, what 
tell me. Yeah, well, I no, I, say, I um, when they first uh, when they first reached out to me, they kind of sent their portfolio, and I guess they had a different uh, different license. So they're, I mean, the the price of the wine for me wholesale was a little shocking, and I was like, wow, you know, tell me more. I was I was intrigued, but um, and anyway, that's not important. Uh, the important thing is, is they're in, so they're in North Saanich, and they're mm-hmm. about say like five minutes from the top of the peninsula mm-hmm. and you drive up this road and then there's this house and it it doesn't totally look like a chateau but it kind of does it has the pillars on the front mm-hmm. so it has this like for the for the just a fleeting moment this vision of like the french chateau but a super just a normal house size so it's mm-hmm. not it's not gigantic and their whole <laughs> front yard is uh, is just grapevines. Mm-hmm. So they have like the driveway. So it's like a, a, a chateau vineyard shrunken down to mini me size. <laughs> dude and, you know, dude and his family makes all the wine in his basement. And, you know, his, uh, his, his shtick is it's all, uh, you know, traditional, traditionally made sparkling wine. So everything is like hand, uh, you know, hand turned, not, well, I'm using the wrong terms, whatever that's mm-hmm. called. My hand's going. Hand riddled. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. There mm-hmm. you go. This. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. It's all hand riddled. He's got like the pallets in his basement and it's super fun. Cool. He's using, he's using cool climate grapes that work really well. He's using Zagrebe and he's using Ortega and he's using Pinot Gris, but he's doing them in like a really classic style. And his wines are, they're amazing. They're super compelling and they're really Great. fun. They're really special. And the family... Uh, is just so lovely, and they're just doing it for love of the game. Like oh, he yeah. has a full time oh, job. Yeah. They have children everywhere. Oh, that's super mm-hmm. cool. Like everything's done in their basement. He disgorged a bottle of wine for us to try, and we had a couple samples. And I was like, "What the fuck is this?" I was going to say, yeah. "It's crazy." Get out it's of like here. that's super yeah. cool. This, this that's like ultimate labor of champagne love. experience yeah. shrunk down to wow. a thousand times smaller. That's in beautiful. North That's super cool. How long it is have, ha, have they been like? How long have they been laying down for? Like, or is it a, a couple like, years? A few years, yeah. Yeah, I think cool. I think the one that we have in the store, the Blanc de Blanc, is is eighteen months. Nice. Huh, crazy. Send it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, just come visit me, and then we can we can taste a bunch of stuff. It'll okay. be fine. Cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Uh, yes. Let's sparkling. Back, yeah. Back that up. Sparkling. Yeah. 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 I can't agree more. Like I, sparkling is kind of like, I, I think it's I kind can, of phase, I'm, I'm, phase three, or I, I don't want to say phase three for, for the island. Um, I think it's really going to slowly be discovered how amazing the sparkling from the island is. And again, it's kind of coming back to that same, uh, reason I was telling, I was speaking about earlier was about that kind of sweet spot of brightness. So, um, if you think about, um, you know, maybe in a warmer climate, trying to produce sparkling wine. Um, they are going to reach a point where the acids need to be super high in the grapes um, in order to make it, you know, refreshing and sparkling. Um, but they just don't have that flavor development yet. Um, so they have to acidify. They have to be unnatural. They have to acidify. Oh, to be unnatural. Yeah, they right? have to be heavy hands. I think, yeah, I think Not that's a crazy question. The nat- the, yeah, the low <laughs> intervention winemaking is like... They need to right, be invasive. Right. Yeah, right. so evil that way. There you go. Got it. Yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah. Um, so for us, we we have flavor development 
and acidity. So you have a flavor-filled sparkling wine that is tart and refreshing. And you guys have the, I mean, you guys have the Patnat in front of you. Um, mm -hmm. Which you... is seriously, like, I am, I'm really enjoying this a lot. I'm not just saying that because I'm talking mm -hmm. to you. Uh, it is, it is delicious. It is really good. Um, on a small segue, is this available everywhere? How small of a segue? What size is this? No, it's I, I, no, no, <laughs> Coming to a Metro Brentwood Bay near you. Yeah, they really? went out of business, actually. They're Metro? not making segue. <laughs> <Metro. laughs> yeah. Ooh. I was like, did you um, lose your job today? I'm telling everyone. <laughs> yeah. No, the segue. Ah. Not making segues anymore. That's it. Yeah, which That's is so it. sad because all the oh, cops in the Edmonton airport uh, will have to ride <laughs> mountain bikes. <laughs> yeah. Paul Blart is no more. Sorry. I don't know oh, why. Sorry. I could just totally see you driving a Segway, Andrew. This guy? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's you the meant uh, it's the mustache. 95 yeah. Forerunner lifted. Yeah. Do you want to try again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the uh, curling broom mustache. That's the, uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a Segway rack at the yeah. back, though. No, right? Not go. quite a police yeah. officer. Yeah. Maybe just a yeah. Yeah, union, unionized security <laughs> officer. Yeah, there you go. There yes. you go. Yeah. And where, what were we even talking about? Uh, we're talking about sparkling wine, talking about how delicious Petnet is. Yeah. And, and I, I segue, and, and I, I was asking where we can train if we can buy this delightful wine because I'm definitely mm -hmm. going to need more of, more of this afterwards. Well, there's only yeah. 160 bottles. I know. That's why get it while you can, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we essentially have a hundred. I think we have about 50 bottles at the winery still that we're going to be releasing mm -hmm. in a special four pack sometime in July when I can nice. get my act together. And um, if, uh, if, if possible, can you mm -hmm. tell people how to reach your winery? Mm-hmm. Um, to visit us. Yes. Uh, just go to Are, Avril Creek. What is, what is your, well, what does your um, in-person visiting experience look like with mm -hmm. G-Panda and all? It's a global pandemic. Yeah. Uh, it's actually pretty cool. We was out there today um, in the midst of a busy day, and it was... Um, yeah, it's actually, I feel like it's improved in some ways. Um, we, uh, you know what, the, the people that have been able to pivot and make it happen, that is a, it's a consistent feedback that we get from a lot of oh, people. Really? Yeah, that just like that feeling yeah. of, of camaraderie, like people wanting to work together. It seems like, yeah, yeah there's, there's certainly, as, as the fog is parting and there's little sparks coming through uh, after this tragedy that, you know, it, it seems like there's, uh, yeah, like you said, the people that are able to pivot are, yeah, are they're, getting they're, somewhere. They're, they're saying like it's improving change. and it's, it's, yeah. it's a little bit yeah. better, the experience. It's is, pretty crazy to hear that yeah. from a number of people now. Anyway. That's good, yeah, particularly yeah. from the restaurant side, but. So you're we, accepting guests. Yeah, we moved from like our traditional like tasting bar uh, model, which is kind of dying anyways. Uh, we could get into that if you wanted at some point, but uh, we, we really transitioned to a um, self-guided tasting uh, with minimal contact, um, and it's all seated, it's all outdoors, cool. um, and it's all by appointment for the most part. We do accept some walk-ins, but um, yeah, so it's we're operating a lot more like a restaurant than we used to. Hmm. Um, Amazing. And so it's been kind of like a bit of a shocker for for us just to... to um, rethink the model in that way. Um, but I, yeah, I think people are really enjoying it because they're really coming there and they're, we're talking about wanting to like educate people and we give them literature on all the wines in the winery and we, we interact with them from a distance as much as we can. Um, but I think people get to kind of like steep in 
the vineyard experience a little bit more. They come, they stay for longer, they're overlooking the vineyard, they sip the wines a little slower. Cool. Um, and it's, it's allowing us now, too, to think about kind of our winery experience in general and, and about how we, we do want to move to more of an appointment-reserved model where people are, you know, not just coming up and waving their glass at us and, you know, they want, you know, they turn their head, they take their free drink, and then they run out the door. We want people that are coming that are really genuinely interested. Mm-hmm. Just to, on the final topic of sparkling wine, um, the... The person who opened the winery, I very clearly remember saying to me that sparkling wine is for people who don't know how to make still wine. Now, has has that person eaten his hat, or is he <laughs> has he considering eating the hat, or is he just looking at the hat, being like, I really don't want to eat that, but I feel as though I should. Does that make I sense? I know how to answer that question. No, you don't have to answer that at all. But I'm wondering if. If um, redundant if question. That, if that person has has had a general a genuine change of heart, or it's been more about economic realities that it's like a begrudgingly accepting what it is, and yeah. I recall uh, very clearly, mm-hmm. you know, asking like, so is there any sparkling wine? And the and the answer was, you know, without any hesitation, it's like sparkling wine is, you know, you make sparkling wine because you you can't make you know good still wine. Right. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that, I'm, I'm sure that that I mean, maybe he, excuse me, maybe he doesn't remember saying that, but I love I love the fact that he said that because I say shit like that all the time that I just regret. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if, it, but if that never comes up, then clearly not not to us, fortunately. So maybe it's we're past <laughs> obviously that point. Well, not to directly <laughs> to my face. Um, <laughs> no, but, I love I love Andy. I think he's the sweetest yeah, guy ever. So oh, yeah. it's he's um, you know. But I mean, I love taking the piss too. So any opportunity I get to grind that guy, I'll take it because he sure does it with me. Oh yeah, he's yeah. Is this your 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 workaround to get a little jab in? Oh yes, absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, okay, absolutely. Yeah, Um, yeah. I mean, now I think I mean sparkling is. um, Yeah, you can hide flaws in it for sure if if Mm. if you're wanting to. for um, us, I, I don't think that we have that. Like, I, I would be honest if I thought we are ever like, oh, just throw that into the sparkling. Um, I don't think, like, I think it's definitely, like, an efficient wine for us. Like, it doesn't need our Charme de Lille is, um, you know, something that is, like, approachable and that, like, you know, Margaret from Chaminis is going to like. But so is, like, uh, Todd Margaret. from Cook Street, who is one of my clients, <laughs> if he... <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> Big but not Todd. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, I yeah. I don't. No, I don't. I don't, I don't imagine that. Anymore, I don't imagine that Andy's comment is resonates mm-hmm. with anybody. In, in like now, I just think it's. I just. I just wanted to take the piss. You just. You're just yeah. throwing a little yeah. jab. Little yeah. jab. Little, just wanted little to take right my hand. thumb and jam it into his ribs yeah. a little bit. I love, um, I love you, Andy. So I, my last question, I think that I have is, uh, and it doesn't. Is there something that you're particularly exciting, excited about that's happening within your industry? It doesn't have to be in your own backyard. It can be a global thing. But I'm just curious uh, that something that you're, you're, you're seeing on the horizon in, in the wine world. Yeah. Mm. It's a tough one. There's so much to be excited about um, just globally, thinking about what's happened lately. I think... Um, 
it's been hard to think about that lately, to be honest. I think um, it's, yeah, like, I think it's more (laughs) about, I think what's most exciting is, is the prospect of getting through this time right now. Um, And, um, and it's just, I think, you know, I just have such a great appreciation for what is right now and not necessarily what will be so much so lately um, or about what I have. Um, and yeah, I think, um, we were, I, I'm really excited about, you know, where the island wine scene is heading and just about, um, more local people really connecting with their local region and that'll happen in, in due time. Um, it's been kind of slowed down a little bit by this whole thing. Um, but I'm also really excited to see Canadian wines like exporting, um, the right ones exporting and in international markets and, and getting some, not like 90.99 point scores or anything like that, but just like successfully entering other markets and being like on wine lists and other legitimizing what we do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I genuinely get excited the one or two times every (laughs) few years that I ever get a chance to go abroad. If I see anything from the Okanagan or I'm hoping to now see things from the couch and Valley and stuff like that, I, I genuinely get a little pang of pride when I see something like that on a shelf. So yeah, no, I, I hear you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we're also going to be starting to attract a lot of really cool, talented people mm-hmm. um, yeah. in the wine industry here, the more we develop things. And so I'm just excited to kind of like learn more from those people. And What, um, what regions are you expecting to turn on because of climate change? And what regions are you expecting to shut down? You don't have to necessarily talk about the shutdown ones if you don't want to be negative. Totally get that. But are there any regions that you're other than our own? Um, the, the Cowichan, is there any, or Vancouver Island, pardon me. Is there any like regions that you're expecting to kind of step up and, and become more, uh, more of a, a world player because of the, mm-hmm. like the warming trends? I think, um, I haven't had a chance yet to try a lot of the wines, but wines from the East Coast, like the islands of Canada, I think are going to be... Oh, um, interesting. I hear, yeah, yeah isn't they say like Nova Scotia, Scotia does really great super sparkling mm-hmm. wine? Okay. And huh. yeah. I haven't had, I've never tasted Ontario wine. It's hard. Uh, yeah. Ontario is interesting. I don't know much about them either. Bread's wines are from there. Awesome. Hmm. Like, shameless we have, plug, I, I have an East again, Coast, but... like I have a Hamptons Rosé in the store, yeah. which is really nice, but... Uh, Hamptons Rose, yeah, like the like Long Island, like yeah. yeah, yeah, Long yeah. Island, huh. yeah, totally, but, yeah. I mean, that's that's it. I've never tasted anything from the other side of, uh, yeah, from the other side of the continent. Interesting. Um, huh. Yeah, so like, there, I mean, there 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 are like kind of cooler climate isles like us, so that for sure. Austria, I think it's it's you know they are further away, but I'd like to see more from them here than cool climate styles from them. I'm also like really. I'm also quite into um, Eastern European wines and whenever I can find some Slovenian um, and um, Romania, some really great value and some really interesting stuff, Hungary. Um, So yeah, those were really popular in the UK because of their accessibility there and because of the price point. Um, So I would love to see more of that happening Mm -hmm. here. Um, And I do think, you know, as far as regions like shutting down, um, you know, a lot of these warmer regions, um, I think a lot of it is going to just come down to them changing up their varietals. Um, there are a lot of really hot places growing wine still. 
Yeah. Um, you know, hello, Chateau Musar. What are, how are you doing what you're doing? <laughs> like, super hot. Okay. That's a region. winery in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Hot. Appreciate that. Sorry, hot, yes. Yeah. Leba- like, Lebanese no, no, no. wines. It's... Like, they're doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, in the Costa Rica. I listened to a really cool podcast on the uh, Wine for Normal People podcast where she did. I love did... that podcast. Oh, it's so fun. It's yeah. my favorite. Yeah. Elizabeth awesome. She is, she's yeah. fantastic. She's on next week after you. No pressure. Um, <laughs> There's no way you got her. <laughs> There's no way. We, no. But after you, anything's possible. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, don't yeah. say so, never. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really interesting episode where she kind of, like, the, the, imagine, I mean, it's hard enough to run a wine, a, run a winery or a wine region, but let alone with, like, decades of civil war and, yeah. and in a war place, zone. Like, yeah, that's a that's a very good point. Yeah. I never actually thought about it that way. That's exactly. uh, that's a very good point. Yeah, so if they can do it. I mean, people can be resilient. Yeah, it I, comes I down to varietal it, a lot of the time, and just kind of accepting I, that you need to grow other things. Yeah, I wonder about the big brands. Like, I wonder about Champagne and how they're gonna manage mm. because they there's so many. Like, it's such a it's such a brand, and yeah. you start adding heat units to that climate. Now you have to start acidifying, but mm-hmm. maybe you know. But they but they have rules. They have like right, you, yeah. you're not allowed yeah, to no. do certain yeah. things. So those no, two things are going to come into that. conflict. Yeah, yeah. And it'll be really interesting to see you know what's going to break, and they're going to say, well, okay, maybe you could do this, or maybe you can do that. And then you know those those like you know, big wine regions that command a lot of attention and prestige are going to be the under a lot of pressure. Prestige will change, I think. Yeah. But that's also well, like that's, a, a well, flux of the trend. I think it's totally it's great. I'm not. I'm not. And I'm I not feel shedding like a tear over a lot just, of those. Oh from even from my <laughs> perspective, it seems like a lot of those regions uh, have been. It's been chipping away at that prestige for a, a great many years. Like it seems like it, some of those, uh, you, your favorite term, sacred cows, are like the things that we believe in yeah. when it comes to certain varietals and stuff like that. Once other countries start doing them just as good or better, it starts chipping away at that that velour you know like yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah absolutely champagne is a yeah that's that's probably i have to agree with you on that being the most at risk just in terms of tradition and hmm. um yeah. but england is that's, now kind of got their me. foothold or like got their um, oh i mean how how happy would they be to have world-class sparkling wine in their mm-hmm. own backyard hmm. yeah and it's good shit too i've tried some of it it's it's awesome when i was oh, there yeah. yeah it's 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 legit I mean, they drink all of the champagne anyway. I might as well start making it. Um, But, um, yeah, um, I think we'll... I mean, as they develop more knowledge and more experience, I think we'll start to see a a lot more um, world-class stuff coming out of England, too. So So. uh, I I wanted to... I mean, it was on my list of things to ask you about, but now I don't even know if it's... I don't know. I don't know if even asking about being a woman in the wine world diminishes anything like is it is it a thing i feel i feel like the with the things i read and the and kind of the mass media that i consume about wine that wine tends to be a fairly level playing field regardless of your gender is that Mm -hmm. is that relatively true or is that just my perspective because i'm a i'm a a a guy well i mean i'm happy to chat about it um it doesn't diminish my being here whatsoever like it's um it's important to talk about these things, but um, the wine industry is huge. Like there are so many different areas of the wine industry and some, um, some of which are more prone to, um, you know, 
I don't, did you, did you say it, Andrew, like discrimination against women? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think some industries, because I, I, I like to think of wine as, as an adjunct or as a, a part of food and beverage. It, well, it is yeah. a beverage, so yeah, yeah. it gets to be included under the B. Mm-hmm. But there are some parts of F and B that have, that are less welcoming to people that aren't old white guys. Yeah. Um, but, so, yeah, I mean, is, is, uh, when I read and when I look and when I listen, I see relatively well represented gender equality. Relatively mm-hmm. compared to other, is that? But I mean, my, I guess my question is: Is that just my perception because I see what I want to see? Yeah, I, I again, I would say in some areas yes, and in other is no. Um, I would say, you know, generally speaking, my, um, you know, my experience, my experience here on the island, especially since I returned, since the Me Too movement, since. Um, and, and just living in a little bit more of a liberal place, definitely like it's very, it's, it's not, it's not a thing. Um, it doesn't inhibit, it doesn't, I don't feel like it inhibits me whatsoever. And I think that's large in part to a new generation of, uh, new generation that are now occupying these, uh, sort of managerial and leadership positions. Um, people who are just maybe a bit more progressive and have grown up in a different, you know, different ideals. Um, mm-hmm. So that's been a huge part of it. Uh, if I flash back to my time in the UK, dealing with a lot of like older pub owners and people who, <laughs> like, imagine. you know, like, and yeah. and I was, uh, I was one rep of, I don't know how many there were of us, thinking back, maybe there were 30 to 40 reps across the UK because I worked for a, national company and there were only three women that worked there so it was very predominantly male um and so um yeah like i would say it's often been kind of in my like encounters more often with restaurants actually just or in that realm (laughs) more so than in the wine industry at the wineries um, is, is it, or is even it in retail? <clears throat> I'm laughing uh, because I, 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 I completely, I could see that. I mean, I'd, yeah. I obviously, I'd, the wine is not my background, but uh, restaurants are. And yeah, that's, that uh, doesn't surprise me. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Do you find that sometimes you get the experience of, you know, like, hi, I'm with Avril Creek. And you're like, oh, you're the wine rep. Nice to meet you, et cetera, et cetera. You're like, actually, no, I'm like a third of the business. And you know, I make really key decisions <laughs> or is that, you know, is, is that not, is that not the yeah. case? Cause no, I mean, I, people definitely don't assume I'm the winemaker, but I could be right. Um, but I mean, you have a pretty small team and, and when I mm-hmm. interviewed, when I was fortunate enough to interview with you that wonderful day, uh, up at the winery, I mean, you, it, you made it very clear that it was a, you know, you, you have a very active role in the, you know, in the production of the product. So you're not the winemaker, but it's not to say that you don't have any influence. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're pretty hands on. Yeah. You know, I'm, 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 I'm drinking your influence right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People assume, uh, people assume I'm a rep, but only because it's mostly reps approaching them in that capacity, I think. Um, okay. so I don't okay. think it's to do with my, my gender necessarily. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I would say like overall, like here it's been, 
it's been it's been great and I've had nothing but really positive experiences in fact I've had a lot of it's great that you guys are asking these questions like this is this is what needs to happen to you know so that everyone um men and women kind of understand what's happening out there um and even reinforce the fact that, that hey you know we are doing well um I think that's important um so the more like uh, the more kind of overt sort of deliberate sexist acts have not occurred here they've happened to me in the past um they've happened to me um more so in the in um more in uh, when I'm encountering older generations and more traditional business owners um and why do we why do those why do those people get to be called traditional yeah, isn't I know. that shitty? Yeah, like, no, instead just, of being for called like, of a it's almost word. like a like it's almost like, like an excuse for them. It, you know, it totally is. Yeah. Like, oh, that, that person's uh, not not like, that that's anything that's that you a, did. That that's no, that, that's, that's, that's what most white people guy, refer like, to that's them too. Shitty ass yeah. white guy thing yeah. to do. Yeah. So yeah. what but, do we call them? Like turds? Yeah, no, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that. It just sucks because we give we're like, oh, this person has traditional conservative values. Yeah, yeah, that's a very nice way of dressing that up. Yeah, I, I do appreciate I just uh, to, to go back to it. I do appreciate it's 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 good to note that we have a long way to go, obviously. But at the same time, it's good to note that things are, are feel nicer, like they feel a little bit better, because I feel like a lot of times we focus on just the drinking from the fire hose of negativity and bad stuff. So oh, once in a hugely. while to hear that things are, 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 are feeling better and that, you know, like maybe we're making some headway. I think that usually gets pushed under the rug pretty quickly. Um, so that, that, that yeah. I just wanted to touch on that really quickly. That's lovely to hear. Well, negativity is what kind of, it inhibits progress. Like it's, yeah. and so for me, I'd rather have like a candid adult conversation and say, oh, hey, did you know that generally when I approach a group of men, or I, a group of men and women come together, the men introduce themselves to each other first, they shake hands, and then they move on to the women. Like, I would rather it be like, hey, did you know that's happening? And it be a conversation and kind of a, a, a part of a conversation to learn from and move forward. And I, I think as, as soon as there's animosity enters into it, it starts dividing and it just doesn't get us anywhere. So um, I take it really like... Um, what's the right word I'm looking for here? Like, I want to take a really like not collaborative, but I want to work with men and women to try and figure out what's appropriate. And it, there's and and recognizing also that there's just like such a fine line that I don't always know. I like women don't always know what's right, and we need to admit that. Um, men don't always know what's right, so we need to. The only way to figure it out is to talk about it. Yeah, and 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 recognize that just because you said something doesn't mean that that's your stance forever and that, you know, mm -hmm. you, you are now cast, you know, in, in iron as that person or mm -hmm. not, not to say that not as an excuse for ignorant things to or say, but behavior, you yeah. know, what I said, what I felt was the right thing to say yesterday in the context doesn't need to, you know, I don't need, doesn't need to cast my character for the next five years. And, it's and like, people are allowed to be educated. People, people, people are allowed and, to and as make long as we yeah. approach, change. So as long as yeah. we approach, personal relations with an open mind and from a caring perspective I think we can achieve really great things on this what a wonderful conversation seriously Callie, thank you so much for your time yeah, I you. hope uh, I hope I hope you had a good time and it's been really really nice talking to you and I 
Yeah, you're one of my favorite people, and it's... Oh. Uh, oh, no, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's always nice to talk to you, and I know I knew that today was going to be a good, uh, a good interview, and yeah, you definitely didn't disappoint. And a true Amazing. pleasure meeting you as well. I can't wait to come up there and hang out again at some point. Yeah. That, would be, that would be really nice. Come on up. Send yeah. yourselves over. Just send them. Send it. Just send it. Send I'll, it. I'll FedEx us. Send it. Yeah, send we'll just it. get into a box together yeah. and I'll get go to I'll tape go to Mount Suhalem and send it, and then I'll send it <laughs> in the winery again. Yeah, send it. I like it. You okay. have a post box, right? Yeah. Oh, what are, what are we talking about? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, guys. Have, a, have a great rest have of your week. Have a great night. Okay. Yes. Ciao. All right. Ciao. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Last customer has left the building. All that's left to do, mop, take out the trash. Thank you guys for joining us again. If you have any questions, thoughts, or episode ideas, you can email us at podcastitw at gmail.com. See you next time.